so we'll start reading in number 16 and verse 28 he says and moses it says and moses said hereby you shall know that the lord hath sent me to do all these works for i have not done them of mine own mind if these men die the common death of all men or if they be visited after the visitation of all men then the lord hath not sent me but if the lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them and they go down quick into the pit then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the lord and it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods they and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation and all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. That's all I want to read right now. So once again, we have uh, Moses. And Moses making this declaration here that the Lord had given him. Moses wasn't doing this off his own mind. Uh, wasn't doing it off his own heart. Moses, once again, was the intercessor uh, uh, to the Israelites. Uh, he was God's man. He was God's uh, message. Uh, or he was the relayer of God's messages to the Israelites. And he was the man that came to God on behalf of those Israelites. Much the same way that Jesus Christ acts on behalf of humanity nowadays. Jesus Christ came, walked this earth 33 years and he, he died he was buried and he resurrected and now uh, or since he came and, and, and represented God unto the people of this world he now sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for man making intercession for those who are saved and those who are born again and folks that was God's choosing that was God's plan that was God's design the entire time just as Moses here was God's choosing he was God it was God's design it's not that Moses ever did anything to be chosen Moses was chosen for this job I believe before his mother even conceived him in the womb Moses was set aside he was sanctified for this job to bring these people up if you go back to the first chapter or two of the book of Exodus you'll see Moses's mother and father after she uh, after his mother has had uh, Moses uh, she she hangs on to him just as long as she can but once she can no longer hide him she put him in an ark of bulrushes set him down by the river where she knew that he would be found Pharaoh's daughter found him there in the river floating in that ark and, and she took him and he was raised in Pharaoh's own house a Jewish man or a Jewish boy was raised in the palace of Pharaoh uh, but folks that was all part of the plan since before the beginning of time I'm persuaded that none of that caught God off guard he knew what would come down the pack he knew what was going to happen just as he knew what would happen 
with these people here of this tribe of Korah with the people of Korah. He knew they would come against Moses. He knew why they would come against Moses. And But he had a plan already in place. Moses tells them, go get your censers, put fire on them, and who whatever offering the Lord accepts, that's the one that God has chosen for this duty. Folks, Korah was never chosen to lead the people. They were never chosen to be in power. They were never chosen for any of these things. Moses was the one that was chosen for that position. But when Korah came against Moses, when Korah came against them, even though Moses gave warning, even though Moses told them, hey, you're not, you're not assumed for this position. You're not assumed for this, this kind of uh, power. You're not assumed for this kind of duty. Even after Moses told them that, they still wanted the power. They still wanted the leadership. And they still wanted Moses out of the picture. People nowadays respond in the same way to the Word of God when it's preached and when it's taught, when it's presented. People will react in different manners. Some of them will react just as the people of Korah did here. They'll shove it off to the side, pay no attention to it, and still want their own ways. But God has a purpose for that Word when it goes out. The Bible says that when His Word goes out, it will not return void. It'll accomplish that which God set it out to do. When the Word of God goes out and it breaks a sinner's heart, that's precisely what it was meant to do. When it breaks the heart of a lost person, that's what it was meant to do. When it comforts the heart of a saved person, that's what it was meant to do. My God's Word is not null. It is not void. It is powerful. And praise God, it's the power of the gospel that gets people saved. It's the power of the gospel that comforts us, that consoles us. It's the power of the gospel of God unto salvation. These people here in Korah, these folks in Korah, they couldn't get that. They, they didn't want to get it. They had their own ideas in their own heads. They knew what they wanted. They wanted power. They wanted the people to look up to them. They wanted the people to come to them instead of going to Moses with the bigger matters within the tribes of Israel. They wanted people to come to them as seeking the answers to the questions that they might have. They wanted the, they wanted the adoration of man, basically, is what it boils down to. Folks, Moses never asked for that position. In fact, when, Mo, when God was calling Moses to go and to bring his people up out of Egypt, Moses tried his best to get out of that calling. Moses tried his best to talk God out of it. He threw excuse after excuse at God. And God said, you're going down there. And if there's something wrong with your speech, you can take Aaron with you. I'll send Aaron. He can do the speaking. But either way, you're going to accomplish this task that I and putting on you Moses here with this tribe of Korah. Moses was doing nothing more than accomplishing the task that God had sent him to do. God had put Moses over those people. God had told Moses to lead those people. And I believe Moses was doing the best that he could possibly do. Amen. And praise God, God was with him. Oh, yeah. The whole time, God was right there with him. 
But here in this scripture, Moses says, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works. For I have not done them of my own mind. And he tells them how they're going to know. Now, folks, this should have this should have stirred up some repentance. Some repentance of these people, of course. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth, and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Folks, that was... That was not only what was going to happen, it was also a threat. It was a threat that was given under court. And it's a threat that God was going to make uh, make good on. It's a threat that he was going to uh, uh, make do on with these people. Why? Because they had come against his man. They had come against the intercessor, folks. When the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out into this world now, whether it's in the church house, whether it's on the street corner, on the television, or on the radio, when the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out and it hits the hearts of the lost and the lost hearts are so hardened that the gospel bounces back off of it that the gospel can't penetrate it that they don't want any part of the gospel they don't want any part of God they are under the same condemnation as these people here in Cora were hey the earth may not open up and swallow up their tents it may not swallow up their family and all that appertains unto them but I can promise you now as per the word of God, there is punishment coming for those that reject the gospel of Jesus Christ because rejecting the gospel is rejecting the word that God Almighty has spoken through His Son when Jesus Christ came into this world and when He began His ministry, John saw Him coming down the river bank. He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And when Jesus came having need to be baptized of God there was a voice that came from the heaven that said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased at the Mount of Transfiguration when they were up there on the mountain with Jesus there was a voice that came from heaven that said this is my beloved son hear ye him hey when we reject Jesus Christ we're rejecting the word of God and condemnation and God's fury, God's wrath and God's anger will abide upon us. Amen. So mm-hmm. the best advice oh, yeah. is don't, don't reject it. The best advice is take heed to it. It came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave un- asunder that was under them. Now listen. Moses had done gone at this point, and he had told the other people in the congregation of Israel, he said, y'all need to move. Y'all need to get out the way. God done showed him something. God done told him what was going to happen. He said, when you get out of the way, when you flee from Korah's presence, don't touch anything that belongs to them. 
Don't touch their animals. Don't touch the tabernacles or their tents. You get out of the way because God's about to do something here. God's about to do something. And, you, and, and if you touch their things, if you touch their things, if you touch anything that appertains unto them, you will be consumed uh, in their sin. Folks, there's another story kind of like this over in the book of Joshua. We refer to it a lot of times as Achan and the valley of Achor. What happened there? Achan had sinned. Achan had gone against the word of God. What had Achan done? Hey, God, God let the Israelites go into battle, but he told them, he said, don't you take of their garments? Don't you take of their treasures? Don't you spoil anything? You just go in there, do what I've sent you to do. But what did Achan do? Achan brought sand into the camp. He took the Babylonian garment. He took that wedge of treasure. He took these things, hit them in the earth, in his tent. And what happened? Hey, the next battle that they had when they went up to Ai, 36 of the Israelites wound up dead because of one man's sin. Don't you think for one second that your sin doesn't affect your family, doesn't affect your friends? Don't think my sin is only for me. I'll be the only one. Hey, there's mamas and daddies that come to church every Sunday that are hungover. They've been sleeping all night in the bed with somebody they're not married to. That sin will affect children. That sin will affect mamas, daddies, and everyone else that appertains to that individual. Amen. Aiken's sin affected all those Israelites. They lost a battle. And it was an easy battle for them to win. It was a simple battle. But God let them, God let them get whooped in that battle because of one man's sin. What happened though? When they went back, it was, it was discovered, or it was asked, I should say, what happened? What's wrong here? We should have we had that hands down. And it was revealed there was sin in the camp. Mm -hmm. One man sent Achan. Achan. So Joshua goes to Achan. Says, what have you done? What have you got? He said, I stole that wedge. And I liked that Babylonian garment that I saw. So I took it too. And I took these things. And I put them in my tent. And they went. And they discovered these things. But folks, it wasn't just Achan that got punished. No. They brought Achan. They brought his family. They brought every bit of livestock that he had. They brought his possessions. And they brought everything out there into that valley. And they, and they stoned it all. They killed everything. Mm -hmm. they, they, they killed Achan and everything that had to do with Achan. But they had to get the sin out of the camp. And people will say, my goodness, what God would allow that? It's the same God that would allow that. It's the same God that opened up the ground here and opened swallowed up the tribe of Korah. The same God that condemned Korah and condemned Achan is the same God that, for, that promises hellfire for all eternity and torment for all eternity and, and weariness and screaming and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's the same God that opened up the ground here that promises all of those things. Don't say God wouldn't do that. My Bible says otherwise. And I just read it to you out of Numbers 16. Amen. God is serious about sin. He is serious about sin. And it will be punished. The best news though. <clears throat> it's already been punished. Mm 
Jesus Christ took your sin on a tree of Calvary. He hung on that cross. That was God's punishment for sin. It's already been punished. So we're left with a decision to make. Do we allow Jesus Christ to take our punishment for us? Or do we pay for our own sin for all eternity? Folks, that's a no-brainer there. It don't take any thought there. I don't even have to pray on that matter. I'll let Jesus Christ take my punishment. It's already been done. He that knew no sin became sin for us. Cursed is every man that hangeth upon a tree. Jesus Christ took my punishment, took everything that I deserved, took the whipping, took the bleeding, took all of these things, the humiliation, all for me. I'll take that over pain for my own sin any day. Amen. And I'll do it a hundred times over. <clears throat> if you go, I was talking earlier about people will respond different ways. If you go to the book of Acts, you don't have to turn there. But in Acts chapter 2, everybody here likes that chapter, right? I like it. But Acts chapter 2, we know that was Pentecost that happened. Mm -hmm. We know the Holy Ghost coming that upper room. Uh -huh. We know about the tongues of fire and, the, and all these other things that happened there. What happened directly thereafter? <coughs> Peter preached. Peter preached. What did he preach? He preached Christ crucified. Yeah. He preached Christ crucified, and he told those Jews, folks, it was the it was the it was the the, the feast of Pentecost. There was tens upon thousands of Jews within Jerusalem at this point. They were all gathered for this feast of Pentecost. So when we look there towards the end of the chapter, and we find that there were three thousand added to the church, hey, as opposed to the thousands of others that were still out there, that wasn't very many. But praise God for those three thousand. Hey, if we're in a congregation of a thousand people, and one but one of those thousand people ends up saved, then they get eternal life when God gives it to them. That gives us cause to rejoice. That gives us reason to rejoice. But when Peter, when he when he preached Jesus Christ and preached Him crucified and he told them Jews, he said, this is the very one that you had crucified. This is the very one that you killed. What happened to Peter? He came under ridicule. He wound up in front of a council of scribes and high priests and he preached basically the same message unto them he preached Jesus Christ and him crucified Amen. 3,000 people got saved at Pentecost when he spoke before that council they didn't heed the truth that Peter preached to them you go just a little ways from that I believe that's Acts chapter 4 you fast forward to Acts chapter 7 starting Acts chapter 6 go 7 and 8 you'll see another man named Stephen it says he was a he was a man that was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he comes uh, <clears throat> after, after, their, uh, after a little, uh, little bit of controversy there at the beginning of Acts chapter 6. They're told to pick you out seven men from among you. That's where, where we get the idea for deacons from. He says, pick them out. Pick out men that are filled with the Spirit. And let them divide these things up among you. He said that we can devote ourselves to the Word of God and to prayer. That was the preacher saying yeah. that. Now, shortly after that, Stephen, he gets 
he gets a good dose of the dose of the Holy Ghost. Uh -huh. He starts to preach. They didn't like what they heard. Nope. Said that he was in the synagogue. He's in the synagogue of, of several different people. I can't remember what they were all called, but it was a, it was a synagogue. And, and they came against Stephen for doing what? They said blasphemy. Mm -hmm. They thought that he was blaspheming uh, God when all he was doing was preaching the truth. Folks, Korah, here in number 16, Korah may may have seen it as blasphemy what Moses was doing. But I doubt it seriously. I think they was just greedy. I think they was greedy for power. They was greedy for man's backpack upon themselves. But Stephen, he gets to preaching, and boy, he gives them a rundown of Jewish history. He gives them a rundown of Jewish history that you don't find anywhere else in the New Testament. And he, and he explains Jesus Christ to him through all. He said, explains what led up to Jesus Christ. And he tells them Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And what does it say? It says that it pricked them in their hearts. And what did they do? Hey, they closed up their ears. They didn't want to hear anymore. And they took up stones. And they dragged Stephen out of the gates of the city. And they laid their clothes in the arms of a man named Saul. And they took those stones. And they began to throw them at Stephen. And they stoned him to death. For doing what? For telling them the truth. Folks, there are all kinds of different ways to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have 3,000 people that were pricked in their heart with the same gospel. And they got saved. We've got chief priests. We've got elders. We've got scribes that hear the same gospel. It is not pricking their hearts. And they want nothing else to do with it. We've got others out there that it outright makes them angry to even bring up the name of Jesus. Amen. And they kill us. They will kill us. Don't you think in a second they wouldn't? They wouldn't certain things. <coughs> One of them, first and foremost, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God holds all those things at bay. Now listen, these people across this world have been martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. Not just recently either, but it goes on in the world. We have not yet suffered under blood here in the United States. But it's coming. It's coming. I can promise you that. It's coming. Where are we going to be? Where are we going to be when this happens, folks? Korah, here in number 16, they were basically introducing a false teaching. Mm. A false teaching is what they were introducing, saying Moses was not sent to do this. Moses cannot bear all this on himself. We need to have part in this. That was a false teaching because Moses was the one that was sent by God. Folks, Jesus Christ was and is the one that was sent by Almighty God. And you'll hear all kinds of different stories out there in the world. You'll hear them in churches. You'll hear them from pulpits. You'll hear them from people on the street. Maybe co-workers. Maybe families and friends say, I think that there's a different way. I think that there, I can go this way. And I think that I can go that way. My Bible says, Jesus Christ said it himself in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the way and he is the only way. Not only to the Father 
there, but he is the only way unto salvation and the and God is salvation, is he not? He's the only way that there is, but we are in a world and we're in a time and it's not something that's new. It's something that's been going on for hundreds of years. False teachings coming in the church houses, false teachings coming across the radio waves of, hey, we can do this and we can do that and God will be alright with us. That is not what thus saith the Word of God. The Word of God says that if we that if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in our heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There is no other way other than confession, belief, and to be cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only way. Don't let the world tell you otherwise. Amen. But we'll fall under condemnation. A court is. <clears throat> not just a man and not just a few of them. An entire tribe. Mm -hmm. An entire sub-congregation, if you will, of other, or, or a people named Korah. The ground opened and swallowed them. The ground opened and swallowed them. And folks, what makes that even worse in our human mind? It says they went into the pit alive they weren't even killed before it happened they weren't stoned they weren't stuck with a sword they weren't goaded with a spear nothing and you know what it was of their own choosing that that happened it was their own decision that that happened by coming against God by coming against the word of God that Moses had spoken they came against him, and Moses said, we'll find out. Well, now listen, Moses, Moses was the intercessor for these people. And you find several times in the Old Testament where Moses, God would get angry with the Israelites. He'd get angry, and once again, I believe it's Exodus 32 and Numbers chapter 14, where you find that God was so fed up, he was ready to kill them all. Yeah. And this is another one of those of these situations here in the same chapter, number 16. He was ready to just wipe them all out. If you notice, though, Moses did not intercess for Korah. He didn't speak the first word to God, asking him to change his mind. Asking him not to do this. He just went to Korah and said what was going to happen. And it came to pass. Folks, I preached it here enough. Y'all y'all heard me say it. Jesus says in John 17, I pray not for the world. Right. I pray not for the world. I pray not for those that are out there lost. Hey, he gave his life for those that are out there lost. But he is not making intercession for them now. He makes intercession for those that are saved, for those that are born again, for those, for those that have already been reconciled to, the, to an angry father, to God the Father. He makes intercession for those, but he prays not for the world. He only prays for those that are his, those that the Father gave him from the foundation of the world, according to the Scripture. Those are the ones that he prays for. Yeah. Moses didn't utter one, one sentence, not one word of mediation on behalf of Korah in this. Folks, that's a scary scripture. Mm -hmm. But it confirms what Romans chapter 1 says, that we can go on about our way, and we can go on in our sin, 
And we can go on thinking that, that God must be all right with us. We can continue on in that way. But the, what's the Bible say in Romans 1? It says sooner or later we'll be handed over to a reprobate mind. What is a reprobate mind? That means God will just let you go on your way. He's finished with you. There is a line somewhere out there to be that that's to be drawn. I have no no idea where that line's at. In fact, personally, I believe it's a, it's an individual line for every person out there. But sooner or later, God will have enough. And God will say, I'm not dealing with them anymore. If they want to continue in their sin, if they're that in love with their sin, <clears throat> I'm finished with them. Folks, that's what it is to be handed over to a reprobate mind. And we have reprobates all around us, I have a feeling, in the world right now. That's not to say we don't still go out and preach the gospel and we don't tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ because you have no idea who's reprobate and I don't have any idea either. I've heard people plead and I've heard people cry and I've heard people say I think God's done with me I think God's handed me over to a reprobate mind and it scares them folks that tells me they must not have been handed over just yet if there's some concern in them because somebody that's got a reprobate mind that is so in love with their sin they could care less about God care less about salvation care less about going to hell they're not going to be concerned with their salvation Amen. and I've talked to people like that just like folks that <coughs> think that they've blasphemed against the Holy Ghost and they ain't. But they've been convinced of that. Oh, yeah. Sometimes by a church congregation. Uh -huh. Sometimes by a preacher. Sometimes by a demon. But I've told y'all what, what the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is. That is the rejection of the work of the Holy Ghost and showing you that you're a sinner, that you deserve hell, and that Christ is a Savior and has made a way unto heaven for you. That's blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Is the utter and total rejection of that. The folks here, Moses didn't utter one word, not one word of intercession for Korah. It says, And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up in their houses, mm -hmm. and all the men that appertained unto Korah, yeah. and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive mm -hmm. into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, mm -hmm. and they perished from among where? From among the congregation. They were right there. In the midst of God's chosen people. Once again Moses. Earlier in this chapter. He went out and told the Israelites. He went out and, uh, he went out and told those that weren't. Associated with Korah. He said y'all need to get away from them. There's some bad stuff about to go down. Y'all get away. Don't touch anything of theirs. <laughs> I mean. He, he, he gave warning. But folks, here in the scripture, he says, the earth closed up, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. There's coming a separation one day. The Bible speaks of all kinds of separations. Lost people currently are separated from God. Mm -hmm. Saved people are currently reconciled back to God, and praise God for that. I'm one of that number. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. But... There's a separation that's going to take place in the future. Oh, Jesus yeah. spoke parables about it. The parable of the wheat and the tares mm -hmm. said that said that there was there was one that came in in the middle of the night. They sowed this field of wheat. I'm sure it was pretty and it was golden and all was going well with it. But it says an enemy came in. Uh 
And when did the enemy come in? While they slept, mm -hmm. while they slumbered, and he sowed tares among the wheat. Yep. And what, what was told them, let them grow up together. Hey, if you try and separate them out right now, you're going to mess the whole thing up. You'll yank up the good with the bad. You leave it up to the day of harvest, and I'll separate the wheat from the tares. Hey, God, God's got a separation that's coming, and unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of separation that happens within congregations of believers. There's going to be believers or unbelievers that are that are called out in front of everyone. Unbelievers that are found out in front of everyone. There's going to be unbelievers that are left here when Jesus Christ comes and takes his church out of here. I have to wonder how many seats will be filled if it happens on a Sunday morning or happens on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday or winter. How many will be left on their pews and in their chairs when that great day of Jesus Christ comes and he takes me out of here to go home to be with him forever. Jesus Christ spoke about it in Matthew chapter 25. He said there was going to come a day when the sheep were separated from the goats. The goats will be put on the left and the sheep will be put on the right. Hey, I'm glad I'm one of those sheep. I know my master's name. I know his voice. I know when he calls me. Hallelujah. I'm not a goat. I'm a sheep. I'm going to be on the right when he comes. I'm going to be on the right in that day. I'm going to be gathered as wheat when that separation takes place. What happens to the tares? Folks, tares aren't even fit for fuel. They're not even fit to burn. They are useless. Useless. I don't want to be useless in the eyes of God. <laughs> I want him to be able to use me, and I want him to use me at his will and for his will, whatever that might be. Whatever that might be, I want to be used of God. But tares, they wouldn't even use them as fuel because they burned up so quick. Yeah. They just chopped it up and blew, threw it out to the wind and let the wind have its way with it. Same thing as chaff. Over there in the Old Testament, you read Psalms chapter 1 sometime. It reads about the chaff. It, or it, it talks about chaff. It talks about in other places as well. But when you're reading about it in Psalms chapter 1, it compares the wicked. It compares the ungodly. It compares the sinners in the world. The, uh, those that are unsaved that don't know God. It compares them to chaff. Chaff is something that's useless. When they used to gather the weed up and they go to the th threshing floor, and they fork it up and they throw it up in the air the wind would blow the chaff away because it was useless and the useful stuff that was what would fall down to the floor that's what they could grind that's what they could use I want to be useful to my God Amen. I don't want to be considered chaff no because what didn't blow away <clears throat> what didn't blow away in the wind it was swept out the door yeah. they did not want it mixed in with that which was useful. Uh, Folks, Korah was swallowed up from within the congregation. Yep. Right there amongst the, the rest of the Israelites. Right there amongst the congregation. Mm -hmm. Says they uh, for the I'm sorry. Says in their houses and all the men appertaining them Korah, they and all that appertaining them went down alive in the pit of the earth, closed up upon them. They perished from among the congregation. That should open our eyes. Folks, just because we think somebody's saved don't mean that they necessarily are. No. I know I'm saved, and God knows I'm saved. Y'all don't know that. Mm -hmm. 
Missy knows if she's saved or not, and God knows if she's saved or not. Nobody else knows that for 100% certain. I would hope that you all at least think that I'm saved. I, I know that I am. But when it all boils down, only myself and God knows that or not. And we can we can use scripture when we say, well, the, the Bible says that the spirit will bear witness. And hey, I believe that. But folks, there's a lot of false spirits out there as well. The Bible says to try the spirits to see if they be of God. You know what that tells me? Some of those spirits can make themselves awfully godlike sometimes to where if we have to try them to see if they be of God, hey, they can they can fake out a lot of Christians and a lot of believers. Why else would we have to try? Yeah. Why else would we have to try? There's going to be people annihilated, for lack of a better word, from among the congregation. Mm -hmm. God is serious about sin. And God, and God sent the very best that heaven had to offer as punishment for your sin and for mine. Don't turn that down. Because that's our only hope. Yeah. That's our only opportunity at salvation. I don't... I don't, and I've, I've used the expression before as far as doing what God wants me to. I'll say, I don't want to get swallowed by a fish, using Jonah as a picture of that. Mm -hmm. I've also said, I don't want to get swallowed up by the ground. Nope. I'm using this very scripture here in number 16. Folks, I want to be useful to God. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't want to go against the word of God and that is precisely what got Korah in the shape that they were in was going against the spoken word of God that Moses had relayed to them they perished from within the congregation or among the congregation all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them for they said lest the earth swallow us up also, folks, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Mm -hmm. And it is a fearful thing. 